Welcome back to the Leaders Who Love What They Do podcast. My guest today is Tom Hadcroft, and he's a leader in education who brings many, many different skills and experiences to the table. He is currently head teacher at Berkhamsted Boys School in the UK. He has lived and worked in Switzerland, in an international school, and in London. He has at least three master's degrees and postgraduate diplomas, giving us just a little glimpse of his breadth of interests from technology to educational leadership to qualification in coaching. I'm absolutely delighted to have him with me. I have so many questions for him um, and in fact many more that I could have asked so I have had to cut them down a little bit. Thank you so much Tom for giving us some time out of your busy day and um, to join us for this podcast. Not at all. Thanks ever so much Anne. It's, it's a, a delight to be here. Thank you so much. So let's dive straight in. Tom, you've recently taken on a new senior leadership role as head teacher at Berkhamsted Boys School. And you've also made a number of other transitions into senior and challenging roles in your career. What would you say have you learned about transitions in leadership? As this is something that's extremely important for a lot of our listeners. I think it's a great question. Those transition points are so important. And I think, you know, you probably could look at them from a personal and professional side. You know, I think I've had about three kind of major uh, transitions when it came to leadership over my career so far. So I think, you know, my first kind of perhaps insight, I suppose, is that, you know, that switch to to the international from, from the UK was quite a big transition. You know, again, I have a French wife. We decided that we wanted to go across to, uh, a French-speaking country that the Swiss job came up, so that that was great, but very much kind of a, a big step into the unknown and a totally different environment. So I think from the the leadership perspective, it was really trying to get a better perspective of well, what I knew. I think it goes back to that Donald Rumsfeld kind of quote, doesn't it? The kind of known unknowns, but there was a lot of unknown unknowns. Uh, so it was really kind of getting getting absolutely kind of linked in with the community, understanding really. I think uh, the motivations for the people or the parents and you know from their perspective of sending their their children to that particular school uh which was college alpin bosley in the the Swiss Alps. And it was really trying to understand, I suppose, the differences. My wife and I, we, we talk about, you know, the first six months being incredibly important because what it does do, it gives you a bit of a calibration point, but it also gives you as a family and, and personally, you know, kind of uh, opportunity to just highlight period of time to really kind of get in amongst things and really understand them. And I think it took us six months really to understand, you know, kind of a whole new setting up in the Alps, full boarding school, but also the, the opportunities that, that really presented themselves within that context as well so a lot of innovation going on in that school at the time they'd just come off the back of a a cruise around the Mediterranean kind of floating classroom which was was an amazing kind of achievement and an amazing kind of amazing idea coming from you know a very kind of traditional private school background I suppose in the UK uh, being thrown into that um, and really having a sense of all these international people in, international students international parents and some of their motivations was really important to understand I think coming back from that Swiss experience and and again thinking about that leadership transition I went from a kind of senior boarding role at that that college Alpin Bosley and uh, went to a deputy headship a senior deputy headship in London DLD college which is central London. So an entirely different environment. And again, you know, kind of stepping into an entirely different environment. Some things are very much the same with the transition. So you are obviously getting to try to know the people and and understand the community. But it's also understanding, I think, you know, some of the, the nuances from the particular setting you're in. So, you know, being in London, 
It wasn't the Alps, definitely not. It was an entirely different kind of set of circumstances to kind of work within. And I think, you know, you kind of have to bend with the wind a tiny bit sometimes in those kind of situations and and allow yourself to feel you aren't going to get it right all the time in in that space of time. And, you know, things will happen and you'll have to really learn on the job. So there were some key circumstances as well with that transition in, in that job. That first six months that I talked about was probably the most challenging in my whole career. We had quite a, a number of things that happened within the college. One of the most impactful things, I think, was on the 22nd of March uh, in 2017 uh, was the Westminster Bridge attack uh, when we lost a member of our staff in that terrorist attack. I think you can obviously talk about leadership in different ways and transitions, but there are some things that you just cannot prepare for. And as a community, I think that was the biggest uh, learning that I probably ever had to go through. Uh, And I think looking at the community, you know, really understanding them in a different way uh, was was incredibly impactful, I I, I think at that time. So the ripple effect that that had on on the community was was tremendous, you know, obviously the international perspective of it, but the the loss and the feeling of loss from every single member of the community was was obviously at the heart. And we we really stepped up and made a lot of changes on the back of that. I trained to become a a mental health first aid youth instructor myself. We really embarked on a whole ream of different projects really to ensure that, that we were being very proactive and not not reactive, I think, in some of the well-being and the mental health uh, concerns. We went on to win some national awards, which was was amazing. On the back of that, but it was um, it was an incredibly tough time for for the community and and really obviously um, you know just trying to use that for a very positive sense was really, uh, I think, at the heart of obviously a lot of the changes that we made. And then really, you know, kind of moving through the next transition and really into Berkhamstead, which is where I am now. You know, I think, again, this transition, I, I'm, I'm really at the back end of now the six months. So I, I've been delighted to join what is a, a terrific, outstanding school, six schools making up the Berkhamstead School Group. I'm, I'm leading the boys' school uh, side of things. But just understanding how those six schools kind of work together, again, it's a totally different transition from my previous two, you know, it's it's very much UK-based student body here as well. And it kind of links the golden threads, I suppose, going through is, is understanding the community. And, you know, here, I think the parents are much more part of that community than perhaps the international settings that I've been in previous to that, where obviously boarding has been very much at the heart of things. But I've really enjoyed getting to know the boys, the staff, but also obviously the parents and understanding, you know, where they're motivations come from what what kind of things they're looking for from the school but but you know really trying to make the very best out of of what we have which is a tremendous school so just obviously taking those things forward so yeah some key transitions some really varying different types of things um but you know so hopefully some kind of golden threads in there which which kind of hold those kind of things together as well Yes, and if I can just come back to something that uh, that you talked about a, a number of times about understanding understanding the community and understanding the nuances um, and and understanding those unknowns as as you said, what would you say? What kind of mindset do you think you need in order to do that? I, I suppose the, the best way of kind of kind of comparing it is it's like jumping into a, one of these kind of very cold lakes or rivers or something. You know that you've got to do something. You're not really sure how you're going to feel on the back end of it. And and as you plunge into that water, you take that gasp or that that intake of breath. I think it's very much like that going through some of these kind of experiences because you can prepare a certain amount and you know essentially what what's in front of you. You know more or less how you're going to react. But it's the, uh, the, the kind of sudden impact, I suppose, of starting 
that you can throw you in, in, into many, many different places that you have no expectation of being into. I certainly feel that way, that there is a certain amount of reading, certain amount of research, certain amount of you know conversations that you can have before you join a, an organization. But I think the key thing, I suppose, is that you really need to understand that you are going to align or feel aligned with whatever the organization has at its core, the kind of values that it has. So I think, uh, again, those are some of the key things. I think the values, the sense of the community and the, the kind of uh, ability to connect with them is, is really important. And when you say um, when you, that you take that, that gulp of air before you plunge into that water, I'm just wondering um, for you, what is that gulp of air? What is it that gives you that? Is it courage? Is it energy? What is it for you that gives you that little boost? I think going back to where, where I started off, you know, kind of the personal and the professional, it's kind of a blend of, of everything, really. And certainly, I think at the core of that, you know, family, my wife, you know, um, that those are the people who who are there and, and really hold everything together. And that, that's your foundation. Now, having that kind of ability to, to step up, you know, and, and to take those things on, it does take resilience. And you have to go through certain experiences to build up your armor, I suppose, of, of uh, resilience around certain things. I think one of the, the, the things to perhaps think about around that as well is that it's not always that you can just build that resilience to and just assume that things are going to bounce off you. Uh, you. I think always being able to check in and understand that you do have vulnerability. The ability to show that vulnerability to others is also a really key part of leadership as well. So yes, the gasp, I think, is part of the resilience, but it's also showing that actually you could go under, uh, you know, like anyone else. Yeah. And actually, the, you know, we're, we're in it together. I think those, those abilities um, to show that, that kind of weak side of you as well, I think, is also important. Yeah, thank you. I think this leads us nicely onto the next part. I mean, you've already mentioned that really difficult part when you were working in London and helping people through the impact of that terrorist attack and losing a colleague. In the last couple of years, we've obviously, everybody has had two very challenging years and it's been challenging for children, for parents and staff alike. What would you say are the leadership challenges for you right now in this period of post-COVID or what we're hoping is almost post-COVID? And you talked about having a positive approach what does that look like? The challenges that obviously in that last couple of years have posed, I think kind of flipping it around to opportunities as well is, is important. And I think coming into a, a setting uh, which has done very, very well through the, the COVID um, outbreak and, you know, responded incredibly well in terms of the, the connecting into hybrid learning and things like that was the school had, here did very, very well. I think the things that we're finding coming back into perhaps more of a normalised setting now, kind of normalised uh, set of routines, is that sense of community, going back to that word, because we you know, have these kind of senses of bubbles for such a long time that actually some of the pupils, some of the families have just felt very disconnected, perhaps things that we just really took for granted. It's interesting to talk to parents who've been in the school, so to speak, for two or three years, but have never visited the school or had the chance to visit the school. So actually having that ability to have some kind of events or, or some, some opportunities over the course of the year where they can come in and feel that sense of community again, not just online, but but having a chance face-to-face is really important. In fact, we have our prize giving on, on Saturday uh, coming, and uh, we, we have, I think, the biggest number of parents ever uh, to, to come to one. So we have 2,500 people coming to a prize giving. I can't even imagine what size of marquee is going to be put up around that. But, you know, there is a drive and there's a, a, a real passion for, for parents to come in and, and really engage 
in a different way. I think from the boys' side, we really talk about breaking the bubble and, and really getting that sense of how we can get them to interact uh, in different ways. So thinking about, you know, competitions and more kind of extracurricular opportunities is, is very important. And also kind of thinking about some of the building back work that we've got to do in terms of mental health, because again, some people, you know, went through the, the pandemic and, and obviously the isolation that that gave very well but for others it, it didn't provide such an opportunity and vice versa because actually there was some of the SEN students uh, really thrived during um, you know kind of lockdown and had you know some really good opportunities for personalized learning so it's really taking the best of what we've learned and you know trying to ingrain some of those practices but understand that everybody's coming from a different position but I think community being the core aspect of, of really bringing us and, and connecting us together. Thank you. And I think uh, you know, being able to find opportunities, especially now as we're coming out, rather than just going back to normal and going back to before, we, we have this wonderful opportunity to create a new normal. And as you say, learn from uh, learn from where we've been. And even when we're taking into account what people have been through, I think this also gives us a window into to maybe what life is often like for people anyway, but maybe it's just been a little bit hidden. For me, it feels like it's almost been a magnificent magnifying glass on relationships that were, were maybe already there. Yeah, I think it's, it's an enormous opportunity if we're able to take that and, and move things forward. I couldn't agree more. I think it's, uh, you know, absolutely essential to have that kind of outlook, I think, really for all of us. Yes. Let's uh, go back to your years in Switzerland just briefly. Um, it does sound like a, a wonderful time that you had at the Collège Alpin Boussole. Many leaders in all sectors, not just in education, mentioned that an international experience outside of their country of origin really helps them. Do you agree with that? And, and how, how has this experience helped you, would you say? I think it was probably, again, another crucial part of my own personal and professional development. I, th I think, um, you know, I spent a couple of years living in Frankfurt um, and mine in, uh, in Germany earlier in my, my life. That kind of started the journey of really, I suppose, appreciating what living abroad could give. And I think, you know, the, the, the time in Switzerland really just continued that journey. So an appreciation, I suppose, of, of how others think and, and do certain things. The sense of, uh, I think, assumptions really that we all have of, of other cultures of other people um, and challenging those assumptions I think is is a very important part of anyone's development and I think living abroad or having that a chance to to interact in an international setting uh, gives you those kind of things it goes back to kind of jumping into cold water you know you, you have to come out in some way as a different person and I think anybody who's uh, speaks different languages or knows different languages you kind of have to assume a different type of your personality I think sometimes and I think living abroad gives you that toolkit the wider toolkit of how you might deal with things so i think th there's a couple of things that a couple of books that i love i like the kind of erin mayer culture map which uh and erin does a fantastic job of of giving you a really kind of good insight into how different cultures are set in terms of you know different types of uh, behaviors or communication and and i think you know that that's my kind of go-to nowadays to remind myself i think of some of some of the things that i need to be challenging myself on during my time at in college alpin bossele um i also was a CIS accreditor, which means the Council of International Schools, gave me the opportunity to go to other schools and, and really see their practice and be part of a team to, to kind of accredit, which took me to Kampala in Uganda, which again, I absolutely loved. I, th I think, you know, these are the kind of situations where if you can throw yourself into an entirely different 
setting gives you different perspective so I very much enjoyed that and and obviously when I came to DLD college in London after that I was going abroad and promoting the school in in places like China and Kazakhstan Croatia etc so again I'm a big believer that travel and linking in with different people gives you those different insights not only obviously of your own practice but I think as a person as well it it just broadens your horizons and gives you a much better appreciation I think of the wonderful array and and strengths and challenges that other people have as well. I certainly agree with that. It's such a learning experience in itself, isn't it? Just uh, being in a, in a different environment. I just want to touch again on your work on well-being. You mentioned it there that you, um, that you became very interested in it, and I know it's something that's been that the work that you've done certainly in London um, has been recognised many times. And with that in mind, I know that you've been very interested in, in working with the with the students, but also the the well-being of your leaders in your school. And how do you think that we should help school leaders in particular? It's often an area that we that we hear that uh, school leaders do need more support around well-being for themselves. What's your advice on that and your approach to that? I think it's very important to, to make sure that, that you are checking in with obviously the people that you work with. And, and again, going back to vulnerability, it's important, I think, for you to share your vulnerability at times around those kind of uh, situations. So, so as a leader, people will only feel that they can actually open up and show their own vulnerability if you model that yourself. So um, at Berkhamstead, we have a great executive team and, and senior management team. And in those meetings, we we start by having a well-being check-in and have conversations around, you know, what can we do as a team to support you if somebody's feeling a bit down in terms of their score. And it's also understanding around individuals and, and you know, perhaps their drivers, perhaps, you know, the ability to cope with certain things at certain times, you know, the personal life, you know, can come into things. And, and as you know, having an ability to kind of connect in and, and have an easy connect in, uh, I think is important. And also one of the other things that we do here, which I found incredibly useful, is that we use um, some kind of psychosymmetric testing on each member of staff to give us a, a sense of where we are placed within our sense of where our drivers are, our motivations within kind of process and people for performance, so that we have an understanding when we go into meetings and it could be somebody that we perhaps have never had a meeting with with before but we can check in and compare our kind of maps together and see you know kind of where they're they're coming from and that helps you I think manage the conversations it helps you interact with each other and understanding kind of your starting points I suppose in terms of where your uh, conversations might go what you might be looking for from from each other and I think the key one really, I think, is that is that emphasis on coaching. And I think, you know, you're right in the middle of all the coaching side of a thing. So I, you know, I don't need to to obviously go into that too much, but it's that sense of coaching and ability to allow others to really have agency and empowerment, I think, is a key one as well. So I, you know, there are a few tools that certainly we use. Uh, and I have used, but it's again, getting to know the people in front of you and having that sense of allowing them to to have that voice, I think, within the, within the relationships that you have. Forming that deep connection, it seems to me a lot of it is coming back to that. Absolutely. Without you understanding what's under the skin, I think really you're at a disadvantage. So I think the more the time that you can spend listening, the more time that you can spend around people and understanding their motivations and the way that they are as a person, as a human being, allows you to connect in with them and have those kind of vulnerable conversations in a, in a much better way. Yes. And, and you mentioned coaching there. And I know that uh, you're very interested in coaching and you're a trained coach yourself. Clearly, there are many benefits um, of coaching. Would, would you see any challenges with using a coaching approach? I think coaching is is a great indicator of an organization and, and to what extent they are using coaching within the organization. But how to, to what extent are they 
coaches also connecting in with say some of the senior leadership or the executive leadership and and allowing those leaders to develop different circumstances and different as we've seen with covid you kind of require different kind of leadership styles at, at times so i think you know being aware that coaching is a tool that you can use in in certain environments at certain times is an important one. I certainly am a big advocate on the whole to ensure that each and every person has the ability to fulfill their own potential. But, you know, I think when we have had, uh, you know, situations as we had with COVID, you do have to obviously employ different ways of doing things. And I think that we all uh, probably acknowledge that. But on the back of everything, I think, you know, we are in a much better place now for for perhaps some of the coaching conversations that we had prior to, to COVID. Uh, and actually the, the strength and the resilience perhaps in, in our own leaders has developed over that time as well. So yeah, there's, there's plenty of opportunity for use of it. I think, as you say, um, I would certainly agree that having a mix of approaches and through coaching, I think we can become really self-aware. And so then it becomes a little bit easier to know in what situations a coaching conversation is going to work and in what in what situation a slightly different conversation is maybe required at that time. But it, it is about that adaptability and that agility in terms of leadership I think that makes coaching so useful and it is a tool it's a it's something to, to be used as and when but as you say sometimes the we maybe also don't see the benefits of it until maybe later when mm. there is some kind of a crisis and in fact all that work that's been done around self-development and people being able to take uh, more responsibility for their own development and uh, to know exactly what's important to them to discover their own potential it's in those moments then in crisis that uh, people can actually take those steps forward that they want to even if the coaching um, conversation is not present at that actual moment and that for me is what makes coaching so exciting in fact it's the future absolutely the tool aspect of it is really interesting you know that sense of you know picking up the right tool for the right conversation and knowing that different conversations absolutely uh you know over the past maybe two or three years how many different tools have we needed but i think the coaching one is the very important one to go to on many occasions yeah, absolutely. Well, we've, uh, we're nearly at the end. My goodness, the time has uh, whizzed by. But I do have one last question for you, Tom. Um, what would be your top tip, would you say, for other leaders, not necessarily all in education, but more generally? So I've got three tips. I'm sorry for being uh, perhaps uh, a bit too much there, but I've, I've got allowed three. Is that all right? (laughs) I had a good think about this. So I think always challenging yourself on assumptions that you have either professionally or personally, I think is key because we all have our own assumptions and it's our own journeys are are dictated by how well we can really test those assumptions. And the second point I think linked to that is then, you know, take yourself to places and people that will test those assumptions on a continual basis, because that will help with your own development. And I think the third point I just wanted to make was, I'm really focused at the moment really on on a sense of advocacy versus inquiry. What am I an advocate or am I an inquirer? And I'm trying to be a much better inquirer. And I think this goes into coaching as well. But I think posing that question of how many open questions do you pose to those who work with you? And how often do you do that? I think is 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 an important one because if we're talking about inquiring, giving agency, then we perhaps need to be aware of the questions that we ask and how we're asking those questions in, in a better way. Oh, thank you so much, Tom. I think we'll have to have, do another podcast on that one. I love that topic too. 
Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much for everything that you've brought to our conversation today. That was just so interesting. And we've touched on a number of different things that, and I'm sure that there will be listeners who want to contact you and maybe uh, hear more. Um, how, what's the best way for people to contact you? So the best way is through LinkedIn. Um, so I have a, a profile on there. I'm more than happy to connect in with anyone who uh, has any questions or just wants to bounce ideas. Thank you so much. Well, we'll put those uh, details and the, your link in the in the show notes. So if anyone would like to go to those show notes, if you click on the link below the podcast, you should find all the information there. Well, thank you so much, Tom, for joining us today. It's really been a pleasure. Not at all. It's been a pleasure on my side as well. Thanks ever so much, Anne. You're very, very welcome. Well, thank you to, uh, to you, Tom. Thanks to our listeners for checking in with us again. And please do join us again to meet another leader who loves what they do. Goodbye.